make sure you like, subscribe, and hit that bell icon. with Freema. I hope everybody is having a great day, a great hump day. Make sure you remember it does not cost anything to be kind. Compliment someone. Make someone's day. You never know what one is going through. Anywho, we have on a special guest today, Jesse Iwuji, and I, I pray I'm saying that right, but I'm pretty sure he'll correct me if I'm saying it wrong. Military, NASCAR racer. I'm just ready to dive in and, and pick his brain and, and see what made him decide he wanted to actually, you know, be a NASCAR racer or race cars, period, because it takes a special kind of someone to do that. So without further ado, let's see what Mr. Jesse Iwuji is all about. It is difficult managing the time between, you know, serving and also uh, racing. Uh, some of the race weekends will be on the same weekends that I have drill weekends. I don't have to move things around. Being in the Navy, uh, it's had its tough moments. When I first, you know, at least went to the Naval Academy, they did everything they could to try to break you. And sometimes it worked, sometimes it didn't. But at the end of the day, you had to just grind through it. I'm not a quitter. I don't like quitting anything, so I was never going to quit. With my title in the Navy, I'm a lieutenant. That's my rank, and then I'm also a surface warfare officer. But racing, uh, I guess I'm just a driver. <laughs> but um, I try to be more than a driver. I have to be an ambassador. I represent the folks in the military and people out there with big goals and dreams. And hopefully, with this journey, I can show people that it is definitely possible. Good, good, good. Hey, what's up, everybody? So it's what me up? and Bubba Wallace here at Charlotte Motor Speedway. It's a Coca-Cola 600 weekend. We got the 600 miles of remembrance, and we're honoring all of our troops and fallen service members out there who are giving that ultimate sacrifice for us to be here on a free weekend. So I'm originally from Dallas, Texas. Both of my parents grew up in Nigeria. They immigrated from Nigeria to the U.S. in the 80s before having me, my two brothers, and my sister. We all grew up in Dallas, love the state of Texas, and we were all into sports. The Naval Academy began recruiting me my junior year. It was a school that was going to have a great education, a great football team, and also offered me an opportunity to have a career after I uh, graduate, and that's serving in the United States Navy. So while on deployment in the Navy, I just, you know, would go to drag strips and road course tracks and have open track days and just have fun with my car there. 
I met a guy at a car show. I told him about all the drag racing and road course stuff that I was doing. And he said, you know what? You should look into stock car racing. And at that moment, I was like, wait, what, NASCAR? And he was like, yeah. After that, I went on deployment. And after that deployment, I came back and decided that I was gonna go full go with it while on shore duty. At that point, you know, I was like, you know, now or never. Ladies and gentlemen, please rise and remove your hats. It means a lot for me to be in the Navy and represent this country. There's a responsibility behind it. Every action I, I make, every everything I do, you know, there there's something behind it. I mean, if you make a mistake, people could get hurt, people could die. So there's a sense of responsibility with that. I was active duty from 2010 to 2017, and now I'm in the Navy Reserves. I am African American, and there's really not a lot of African Americans, you know, in the sport right now. But um, I, I see more coming. I think more will come as we all kind of pave the way right now and just show that, hey, NASCAR is open to all races, all genders, you name it. It's not closed to anyone. Uh, if you want to race, you know, grab a helmet, grab a suit, get on the right team, and you can make it. And hopefully we can inspire more people who are like us and look like us to come up through the ranks. My name is Lieutenant Jesse Wuji, and I'm a driver for Patriot Motorsports Group in NASCAR. Yeah, thank you so much for uh, that great introduction. Yes, and thank you for coming on the show. I would, I want to dive right in. And am I saying your last name correctly, Iwuji? Is that right? Yes, Iwuji. Yep. Iwuji, Iwuji. Okay, I have an African descent myself. <laughs> My father's nice. from Ghana. <laughs> cool. So, um, so if you don't mind me just saying, Jesse, as a child, is this something that? was destined for you to be a, a race car driver? Is this something you always knew you wanted to do or was it more so, okay, I'm going in the military and that's what I want to do? Like, how did this come about for you? Um, when I was growing up, uh, I grew up in Dallas, Texas and, uh, you know, both of my parents had immigrated from Nigeria to the U.S. Uh, back in the 80s before deciding to settle in Dallas. So growing up there, uh, everyone knows that football is the biggest thing in that state. So I naturally gravitated towards football and I made it a goal of mine to uh, go off to college and play college football. So I worked really hard in middle school and high school to get better and better and better to put myself in a position to get recruited. And eventually, uh, one of the schools that started recruiting me was a Naval Academy. So that's what really led me towards wanting to go into the military because when a Naval Academy started recruiting me, I just looked at it as a great opportunity to go to a really good school, uh, get a great education, play football for a really good team. And then when I graduate, have a career started for me as an officer in the Navy. So it was just win in all different ways. And that's why I decided to go that route. Okay. Okay. Well, that sounds good. Let me ask you, when you decided, okay, I want to put my all into, well, not necessarily all because you're still doing the reserve, but you're putting a lot of energy into NASCAR racing. And is that, is that the same as kind of drag strip racing? Or we call drag strip racing, we, <laughs> that's totally different, huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So drag racing is a lot different than uh, stock car racing, oval track racing. So there's a lot of different types of racing out there, a lot of different types of motorsports. The main ones people see, uh, especially here in the U.S., is you have drag racing, which is just straight line racing. You have uh, oval track racing, which is stock car racing. And then you have um, road course racing, which is where you get on tracks that turn left and right, and there's twisties, and um, you go around a lot of different corners and all that stuff. So that's road course racing. Um, but uh, those are the three main types that you typically see as far as via cars um, on tracks. 
and you have off-road racing and things like that and you can you know motorcycles do their thing and all different other stuff that you can go from there but uh, the main types that you generally see is is the road course racing uh oval track racing and drag racing straight line and drag racing okay i never knew the difference i thought it was all in one so thanks for clarifying that for me so what is it that um jesse does to prepare for a race like some people listen to music some people exercise like what is that one thing that you notice that's a trend for you that you have to do um before you have that big race or or is it anything that you do I would say uh, the week leading up to the race, uh, definitely, you know, got to stay in shape. So I'm always working out and running every single day, um, hydrating every single day a lot because in the race car, it's very hot. It's not like a normal car. Um, the temperatures get all the way up to 130, 140, sometimes 150 degrees inside the race car for hours on end. You don't have an AC. There is no AC that you turn on and blow cold on you. You just you got to eat it and be in that heat. Um, and then uh as far and then after hydrating and all that um i train on my racing simulator um i have a simulator here at home where basically it's a race seat uh pedals shifter steering wheel and i train on there every single day with the software that we use to train on um so that helps me learn tracks and learn how it is um some people will look at it and think it's a video game it's definitely not a video game (laughs) it's far from it it's a lot more realistic that's pretty good. And then, um, you know, I would say on race day, the biggest thing is just, you know, doing what I can to just relax and, and, and be stress-free that day and, you know, conserve my energy for the race. Right. Now, you mentioned that it gets very hot. And I know you said for hours. Now, are you just saying in general hours or y'all actually riding for a, a long period of time? How long is the actual race? Uh, typically, the races are, depending on which series you're in, it can be anywhere from two to three hours. So you're in that car for that long in that type of heat. Um, and, and you do have water. Uh, you do have like a water bottle that you can you can sip on uh, like with a um, you have usually a tube that you just throw in and just drink from there. But uh, besides that, you don't really have any way of cooling down a lot. That's a, I never in a million years would have known that a race would last that long. Like, whoa. That's a lot. It, it definitely does take a special type of individual to to dedicate their time, their energy and, and everything into into the racing. Does it give you some type of adrenaline rush? Like, how does it make you feel when you when you're in that vehicle, when it when it's time to go? What what feeling does it give you? There definitely is a rush before the race as, as you're getting ready and you're doing your pace laps before you actually drop the green flag. <clears throat> there is a little bit of a drilling rush inside of you because you don't know what's going to happen next. It's racing. Anything can happen at any moment. So nothing's guaranteed. You know, it's it's funny because people, you know, people will watch a race and they'll try to, you know, they'll, they'll ask people like, oh, who do you think is going to win today? Like, there's really no way. It's like one of the hardest things to guess on who's going to win. You have 40 drivers out there and any one of them could make their way up front to go win. You know, some of them have better chances than others, depending on how much, you know, money they got in their equipment. But, you know, at the end of the day, anyone could really get up there and win. So it's really tough to, to know who's going to win anything. And it changes all the time. You know, you don't just have one driver who just wins almost all the races. You, you, you have quite a few of them that win races. Wow. Now, do you go, I, I see that you wear like, they wear the all-in-ones and things. Do you go for like a certain look or is just all kind of general? You get this or your sponsors, you wearing this, this time, or do you kind of pick out what you want to wear? I know I'm asking a lot of questions, but I'm intrigued. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, no, it, it's all sponsor based. So typically what I do is, um, you know, I usually always wear black suits. Uh, I wore white suits at one point, but then I like the black suits a little bit more. And um, uh, for the for the for our suits, typically we'll have our sponsors, our their logos on the race suit and the primary sponsors are in more prominent areas on the suit. And then the associate sponsors are in, le- in smaller areas on the suit, but still visible. And uh, we organize them in a way where it looks good. So it doesn't look all janky or anything like that. And then that's what we do. And um, depending on what sponsors have for a race, we might have a big uh, a big sponsor come in for a particular race and then that's the suit that we're wearing for that race um or if it's just a bunch of smaller sponsors maybe we'll use a suit that we've already been using just change out the patches on it there's different things we can do to make sure that we're bringing the sponsorship to life for that sponsor right got you definitely understand that now i do want to ask you when you when you got into this and, and you see that your career was taking off and everything was it a bit overwhelming for you? Because I know you have fans. I know you have children that watch the races. Won't um, you know your your autograph and things? Was this overwhelming when when things kind of picked up for you? Did it kind of were you taken back a little? Um, no, I wasn't really taken back. I knew where I was gonna be. I knew who I was supposed to be, where I was gonna go. So when you know that and you see it clearly before the journey even starts, it's not a surprise. Um, it's just, it's just all it is is confirmation throughout the journey that your, your dream, your vision was real. Um, but, uh, yeah, nothing was a surprise. I knew, you know, I didn't know exactly how everything would play out exactly. I just knew that I would eventually get to the end goal. So whatever progress was made during that time it is it was bound to happen. Whatever fails happened during that time was bound to happen. But at the end of the day, the end goal is there. The end goal will be achieved. Um, and that's what I continue to work for. Right. That's that's great. Kudos to you. How long do you see yourself continuing for just as long as it'll allow you? How do, do you have like a, a end goal with that? Like uh, yeah. you say I'm retired? Yeah, um, I would say full time racing, probably another 10 years or so. And then uh, I really want to jump into Hollywood stuff. Uh, I really would love to be in like film stuff and be in some big blockbuster action films, uh, you know, like Fast and Furious or some Marvel, okay. Marvel, Marvel comic universe movies or something like that. So um, definitely want to jump into some of that. But yeah, no, as far as the NASCAR stuff, probably another 10 years or so. And then usually when drivers get to about 42, 43, 44, 45, that's a good time to retire, you know, let the let the other young bucks jump in and do their right. thing. Okay. Um, I just have one last question. Um, I've seen, because of course I was watching some of your YouTube videos, like the one we just seen um, previously, and I've seen that someone mentioned that they didn't think they would be able to do everything that they wanted to do. And by watching you and seeing that footage, they feel like, oh, now I can do it all. So how does it make you feel to know you motivate individuals, um, you know, of our, you know, ethnicity, you know, to, to strive for greater and, and let them know if I can do it, you can do it too. How does that make you feel? And what would you tell the individuals that is still kind of like, mm, they still need that oomph or that motivation? Yeah, uh, this whole journey has really been about showing people what uh, we as human beings are capable of. I think we're capable of a lot. We're super powerful, especially when we put our mind to something. I know it sounds super cl- uh, cliche. On uh, Yeah, put your mind to it and you can make it happen. It's 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 literally it's true. Like you, you once you envision yourself, seeing yourself becoming whatever it has to become, that's that desire part of it. Like it's a desire to have the, uh, to have a particular dream and achieve something. That's that desire part. But after the desire, then you got to throw in the ambition, and the ambition is that drive from there. From there, now you got to have uh, actionable steps. 
every single day, daily grind, putting energy towards that goal every day, trying to find new ways to achieve it because not every and not every path you take is going to work. Some of them aren't going to work, but you got to keep on moving, find the next, find the next. At the end of the day, there's going to be a bunch of walls along this journey, but walls, you can go over them, you can go under them, you can go around them, or you can go through them. Uh, it's not going to be easy. Some walls are super tall, so you're going to have to find a way to go under them. Some of them are short, so you'll jump over them. Some of them are weak, so you'll just blow right through them. There's all these different things, but don't let the wall stop you. At the end of the day, when you're going through your journey, when you're going through this tunnel um, towards a, a particular goal, it's going to get dark. Uh, that light that you thought was there is is not going to be visible. But just because it's not visible doesn't mean it's not there. That's where that faith part comes into place where you have to have faith that even though you cannot see the light, it is actually there. And those who have that faith, those who stay strong enough, long enough, those are the ones who get to the end. Oh, I love it. I love it. It's nothing further for me to say. You summed that up. You gave us some good words and I really appreciate that. Is there anything else? Because I don't want to hold you up too long, but is, is there anything else you'd like to share with us? Anything you want to ask me um, before we end this segment, Mr. Jesse? No, I think we hit a lot of stuff. Uh, but for those out there who are going after big goals and dreams, just remember, uh, you're trying to build a skyscraper, right? So the taller a skyscraper is, that means the deeper it has to be, uh, you have to dig. So the higher you want to go, the deeper you have to dig. And that's not easy. So understand that nothing comes quick. If you build a skyscraper super quick in just a few days, and you don't dig deep for that foundation, it's going to look pretty for about one day. But the moment weather comes, the moment that wind comes, the moment something blows through it, or there's a little earthquake or something just bad happens because bad things happen. Once that happens and you don't have that foundation, it's going to fall to the floor and we see it all the time. So understand the higher you want to go, the deeper you're going to have to dig. I appreciate that. And, and I know a lot of us, including myself, needed to hear that. So thank you for those words of encouragement. It's much needed. It's much needed. Um, again, I appreciate you taking the time out of your day to come on Let's Sip and Talk with Freema. I truly appreciate it. Continue to do great things. I can see you in those big action blockbuster movies. Can't wait to watch. Um, good luck on that because I know it's coming soon. And again, thank you so much for um, for, for coming on the show. And, and oh, excuse me. And as we always say on Let's Sip and Talk with Freema, peace and love. Thank you.